Hi there. This is Gene Shalit. A lot of people have asked for a little window into my process. So, this morning, I'd like to bring you a new segment on the Today Show, In Process, with Gene Shalit. Well, that's terrific, Gene. We, we didn't know that that was part of the... Well, I haven't written my reviews yet, so... For November 1st, 2002, we have... What the fuck? You can cut that out. We can't. It's live. Punch Drunk Love. More like Crunch Trunk Glove. No. No, more like MunchSkunk.gov. That's not going to work. Ah, uh, shit. How about this? You knew you had to review things this morning, right? Anyway, Punch Drunk Love made me so emotional, I punched a drunk I love, which reminds me of Dad, which reminds me of Christmas, which reminds me of the Santa Claus 2. No clause for concern here. The Santa Claus 2 is two times the fun, unless you're Jewish, like me, in which case, why would you ever watch this? Unless you were paid to, which I most certainly am. I'm also paid to say nice things about Tim Allen movies. Otherwise, I'd have said, The Santa Claus 2, more like the man to cause poo to run down my legs with his sickening performance. Uh, but uh, I shouldn't have said that part. Instead, uh, go see The Santa Claus 2, because something heartwarming something funny, something not since home improvement, something national treasure, something Christmas, etc. Uh, what do we have here? Oh, 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 I spy more like I, 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 I spy with my little eye a piece of low-grade horse shit. Owen Wilson is owing me an apology for making me sit through this remake of the classic TV series. Mark my words, this will go down as the worst thing to happen at Bill Cosby's legacy, period. I wanted to drug myself to forget the horrible things Eddie Murphy and company have done to the reputation of the great William H. Cosby. Have I said enough about how spotless Bill Cosby's reputation is and how nothing but this movie will ever change that? It's worse than Leonard Part 6, worse than Ghost Dad, worse than when he roofied all those people. Oh, right, I'm not supposed to know that. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 23 of Opening Weekend. <laughs> I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear, dear friends, Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And today we are revisiting the films of November 1st, 2002, which included I Spy, starring Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy. The Santa Claus 2, a sequel uh, eight years in the making, I suppose, uh, starring Tim Allen. They were really they were really working on it from 94 right up to 2002. And uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson film Punch Drunk Love, his follow up to Magnolia from three years earlier. Fred and Dan, before we dive into the week's movies, where were we all? In November, early, early November of 2002. 2002. That came out 2002. <laughs> Am I speaking in an iambic pentameter or something? <laughs> this was a weird sort of transitional time for me. This was, this was odd because my wife Kate and I were just about to break up. Uh, before we, we ended up becoming engaged, we, we, we were together for several years and then 
We broke up for about nine months before coming back together and forming the loving union that, we, that we've held for the last 15 years now. Yeah, we broke up, I, I want to say, shortly after your Halloween party that you guys had. Was it because of the Halloween party? It was because of the Halloween party <laughs> because was. I wasn't happy with our costumes. <laughs> no, I loved it. That was one of my favorite yeah. Halloween parties and our favorite costumes because we that, that was your first one. It was Halloween. our first one, and you used that. The picture of the two of you in our hallway as your save the date. I went as Eddie Munster and Kate was Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, so and good. I, yeah, and I remember at the time being so excited because I hadn't been to a, a true Halloween party since I was like a kid. Hmm. And and I was really, really excited. And I remember saying, like, I wanna I wanna go full what's your what's your, what's your phrase, Dan? Full hog, whole full hog. Full, full freight. Full Butch Patrick? Full Is Butch that- Patrick. That, well, I ended up doing that because I wanted to, I'm like, if I'm going to go to a Halloween party, let's go, let's do like Universal Monsters. Let's do like mm-hmm. a, a true classic. But I'm too short to pull off any of those monsters. So <laughs> I, I decided I went for Eddie Munster. Come on, Claude Rains, Invisible Man, you could have done. Just don't show got- up. <laughs> don't show up. <laughs> that would have been easy. Very meta, but I should have tried that. Chucky. You could have been Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> so we went, I, but I, I, I think... That very, I think this week actually, the week after the party was when we broke up. Oh my god! We're getting close to it. Yeah. Yikes! And because she had moved out, my birthday was in July, and she had moved out pretty much on my birthday, and but we still stayed together. So it was a little weird. It was it was an Mm. odd thing, but we were still together. But I think this is and and also I remember back home or something or what? No, she just moved. She got her own apartment in in Midtown in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. So we'd been living together for a while downtown, and then she was like, I feel like I need a place on my own for a while. And I, I, I shouldn't dig in too much. Was this, was this about like taking the relationship to the next level? Was Pretty it about much, that? Yeah. yeah. We, we'd been together for a while, and I, I think she was also, there's probably a disappointment in a guy who can only dress up as Chucky for Halloween. No. <laughs> you know, she wanted other options, maybe. You know, it's like Eddie Munster, no. Chucky. Ugh, I want to date a Frankenstein. I want to <laughs> date a Lon Chaney. I want to date a Fred Gwynn. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I think it was, we'd been together for a while, and it was just that thing like, well, where's this going? Yeah, Are we taking yeah. each other for granted? And like, it's fine, but, you know. Every relationship just, goes through that kind of thing, but you got back together it it all worked out it all worked out and um that was the period where i where i ended up dating paula from the magic garden's daughter that was we're talking about that last episode yeah this was during this yeah i sort of like did my online dating exploration when that was first starting and giving that a whirl and now was that part of her online profile she like when she put that was her name it was chuckle patch that was (laughs) it yeah she said no but it was uh yeah it was a weird time and i remember like i booked my first national commercial right around this time and it was a Budweiser commercial and they flew me to Toronto to do it and I remember being in Toronto in the hotel and like talking to Kate on the phone and thinking you know I so when I come back like we're not together anymore like Mm -hmm. this is this is Mm -hmm. sort of it um and the commercial never aired so it was just you know bad luck left and right and that was crazy too it was like I was so excited to get this commercial I was like, oh my God, finally, like I booked this commercial. It was a Budweiser and yeah, it was supposed to be, money, national, yeah, everyone's like, oh my God, it was going to be huge. And <laughs> like from the moment we got there, I knew, I was like, oh shit, this isn't, this is problematic because the director and the clients did not agree on anything. Oh no. Absolutely. Hmm. There was not one thing. And it was such a tense set. And you could tell like the director was so excited about everything. And, and the people from Budweiser were just like, no. 
You making out with one of the Budweiser Clydesdales, I wouldn't see how that would be part of the marketing. Right, but they wanted me to make out with Spuds McKenzie. And I was like, sorry, I don't I don't do dogs. I don't do dogs. And it it spun out of control. And then yeah, but then it was we yeah, the, the commercial never even aired. I remember the director called me before we left and he was like, yeah, I want, don't shave. We're going to dress you in this and like play it like this. He was very hands-on. And then I got there and the clients were like, what is he wearing? No, he's got to change. No, he's got to shave. Why is he playing it? Like, like they, they just oh, wow, didn't right. agree on right. anything. And the oh, clients oh, didn't oh. like the guy who was playing the older brother. Oof. They wanted to recast him. And, you know, Oof. everyone else is like, we're in Toronto. You know, we flew this guy up. Right. And, yeah. You know, you approved him. It, it, it was just, it was a mess. So, like, we don't yes. look at those things. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I came back from Toronto uh, with no girlfriend and no residual money either. So, oh, it was just, for the love. it was uh, it was a lose-lose. Charlie oh. Brown Thanksgiving for you. <laughs> wow. 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 Welcome oh. to episode 23. <laughs> It was all set in motion by our Halloween party. All of those events were set in motion. Which was an amazing, amazing party. Yes, didn't I? Thank you. Yeah, that's what I... It was themeless, but it was... uh, Was it themeless? It was. It was. was. was Yeah, that's what what I liked about it. I'm like, oh, it's just like a cool... No, 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 because I loved... As opposed to the other shit we pulled. No, 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 no. I love the theme parties that you guys did the following years. But I just, like I said, I just love the fact that I'm like, oh my God, it's just just a a classic Halloween party. Just Mm -hmm. come, And I hadn't done, like I said, I hadn't been to something like that since I was a little kid. So this was my yeah. first, you know, because you you watch movies and you see people in movies go to these Halloween parties and everyone is so, you know, decked out in these great costumes. Yeah. And I also remember showing up and being so impressed by everyone's costumes because you were a gold member, right, Dan? Oh, I went all out. And what <laughs> you, was fucked up was that I... I I sp- I got all I got anything that even resembled like shiny gold anything. I basically cobbled together a costume out of all his different looks from the and then I stuffed the big God knows what down my pants because he's got a big. For, for those yes. who don't remember, Gold Member is a character in a movie yeah. called Sorry. Austin Powers in Gold Member. I feel like we're so like oh yeah, Gold Member like he's just part of like, <laughs> yesterday pop culture history. Yeah. but it's like it's like there's probably some people like what the fuck's a Gold Member? Oh right, <laughs> that one Austin Powers movie. I love Gold Member, but you know I do too. And I was so taken with it. I was like, oh, I got to do this. And I and I so had good. a little Gold Member action figure that somebody had given me, and I kind of based it off of that. Plus, his different looks from the movie. But the night before, I had been in the kitchen like spray painting my costume with like gold spray paint from the party store, and it had smelled up. <laughs> The whole house, and it was like this toxic, like you know, you know how if you spray paint inside like a moron, like yeah, I'm, like toxic. I did. I should have went outside. What was I thinking? But mm-hmm. I did it in the kitchen, thinking, "Oh, this will dissipate." Wrong. So for the whole like <laughs> into our food, day, and you yeah, could exactly. use your stove for the next month. Exactly. And my roommates, you, Jason, and our, our other roommates, Bob and Jeremy, were like, "Why the fuck does it smell like you know <laughs> a mechanic, like a auto body shop in here?" And I was like, oh, God, I'm so fucking sorry, you guys. But it ultimately got out of there. And we had a, we did have a great uh, party. What did that you go great. as that year, Jason? I went as the Grinch. But, oh, but that was I, an amazing costume. But, <laughs> but it was a, well, it was a cheat in that. I mean, I was dressed in a, I actually had a, a friend of mine, um, this director, uh, Janice uh, Allman. She's um, since passed. She's a good friend. She, I had told her in passing, I was like, I, 
I want to do the Grinch from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I want to have him like in in Santa Claus mode, you know. And uh, I was like, but I don't know where I'm going to get my hands on a Santa Claus outfit now, you know, and how expensive it would be. And she was like, hold on. <laughs> I just said it. I mentioned this to her in passing. And uh-huh. then she was like, call this guy. And I was like, uh, all right. I was wait, like, was this wait, was this Janice or was it my mom? It was Jan- <laughs> I know. Do you want to be a condom? Hold on. Yeah. A condom or, or the Grinch? I got it right here. Well, right so she here. said, so she basically gave me, um, the, I guess the person who, was it called Halloween Adventure? It's still down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Down in the East Village, right? Oh, yeah. That, that's a yeah, great store. That, great that store. big, huge, amazing place. Right near, like, down by the Strand. Yes, right by yeah, the yeah. Strand. So she had said, all right, call, call this guy. I'm going to tell him, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I call and, um, you know, it's, it's Halloween and I'm like, I need a Santa Claus suit. And he said, all right, come by it. Uh, yeah. Janice, don't you can come by at three o'clock on blah, blah, blah. So I, I came and he like hands me the Santa Claus suit and he's like, you just have to have it back by Monday or whatever. I was like, okay, great. It was like a really high quality, great Santa wow. Claus suit. And then I was worried because I was going to get green. Yeah. Makeup that's all immediately over. where my mind went. I was like, how do you keep all the green makeup off? It, of it? it went all right. Well, you know, cause it was just the face. Cause I had, that was yeah. the, that was the cheat is that I was basically dressed as full Santa Claus. <laughs> and then I just had the Grinch makeup on, right. you know, and I, you I know, and it you did say, get like, green on the collar and th- stuff. Th- this was like movie. It was like Rick Baker did your makeup. It was so good. <laughs> I did and you're the like, makeup. Hey, it was a cheat. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, no, was, the makeup, I did a good job with the makeup. It. It was, great, it was a ama- it was a great costume. But you know, I didn't have furry hands. I didn't have a furry butt. I, it wasn't like I did like in the cartoon. You had a furry butt. The, I, I mean, my butt is trust furry. us, trust but, us. <laughs> but it's not as green as it could have been. Anyway, no, it was very fun. And my girlfriend at the time. This is why we did the costume because my girlfriend at the time thought it would be funny for us to go. She was she was uh, very petite, and she was like, "We should go as the Grinch and Max, <laughs> the, the Grinch's dog." Oh, and oh, so she, she did. Was adorable. She put on a little you know little nose, and we had the antlers on her and yeah it was it was really cute so um but the guy uh, didn't charge you listen to me no didn't, didn't charge me. and you know Who and i was charge you i was so poor <laughs> at that time i was so poor because oh. i had i was living with you and you were gouging me no uh, it was because <laughs> jason go out and buy me more gold spray paint go buy me more spray paint be taken off your rent in my previous relationship i had gotten into a lot of debt i talk about this in my my solo show as well i was really i was in a lot of debt i had like you know, whatever. I had like $22,000 of credit card debt for somebody who had, you know, no money and no real job to speak. I just like a guy temping and getting the occasional non-equity acting gig. So it was, and I just realized I was like, boy, I can't keep up with these bills. So I went into a debt management program, mm-hmm. which was fine and great. And I got, you know, got rid of the debt after a few years, but you know, I had no, I had no wiggle room because when you do that, you don't have credit cards for the, you know, you basically, get rid of all your credit yeah. until you're done with the program. You can't be buying Santa Claus outfits. Well, you can't do anything that, that you know, you don't have the money in your pocket. So I was, right. and I was like temping at this point. And I was like, gosh, I really, you know, it was great though. Right this week, I had just started a job that really saved me and pulled me out from like a, a financial hole, which was um, uh, working at Hunter PR, the PR firm uh, on uh, Madison Avenue down in the twenties. My our friend Michael Sarabian, another Hofstra yeah, guy, was working yeah. there. He was an account manager, and he knew that the president of the company was looking for an assistant to help her with some stuff. And so he got me in there. I had a little interview. They set me up at a desk, and I was just helping with whatever she needed. And they 
you know, they were very kind. They paid me very well. It was a wonderful place to work. They were so flexible with my schedule as an actor and stuff. This was, this was the job that I had for a couple of years and then had that terrible anxiety when, when the job ended, when I had right, those chest right. pains that I was that, talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That was because this job was such a boon to me and like mm. was so helpful to me. So that was great. So that, that helped. But yeah, I didn't have the money to put together. A, I just need any, any kindness from <laughs> friends at that time, like any little leg. I remember my buddy, Ted coach, who's a um, great actor. Uh, oh, he's so good. He's a wonderful actor. Um, he and I had done guys and dolls together the year before. And I remember he had invited me to go see Proof with him. He had tickets to Proof, and I was like, I, I don't have any money. He was like, no, no, I got you, I got you. There's a ticket I have. Well, come see uh-huh. it. So we went to see the play. This is when I was really, I was like, oh, my God, I have no money. And I was just starting that debt management thing. And he was like, you want to go out for a drink? I was like, I can't, I can't. He was like, oh, we'll go out for a beer. I was like, I, I can't buy a beer. And he, I felt I was so embarrassed. He was like, I'll buy you a beer. He like took me to a bar. I'll never forget like him taking me to the play and buying me that beer. That's how fucking broke I was. And then it got better and it's God, been fine. If any fine young actors since, are but... listening to this, we're really selling them on the idea of going into the profession. No, was, uh, everybody has a yeah. tough, you know. You can be miserable, you can have breakups, no. failed commercials, no, you're going to go into debt. What, you fine. might have a good gold member costume. <laughs> You might. You, you just might accidentally almost might. kill all your roommates with fumes. <laughs> that <laughs> might happen. Well, that happened even when you weren't using spray paint. You know? Hi-yo. Hey-yo. That's, that's a gas joke. <laughs> <laughs> I spy with my little eye a gas joke. <laughs> oh, God. That's one, hey that's, and that's one of the few jokes you'll spy in I Spy. What you're about to hear is a national secret. This is Special Agent Alex Scott. Special. I still love hearing that. I was just a regular agent until a couple weeks ago. You'll be working with a civilian. A civilian? Introducing the undisputed champion of the world, Kelly Robinson. Ow! Ow! Mr. President. The president want me to do him a favor. Some kind of top secret mission or something. Oh, you mean like 007? Yeah, except only I'm going to be 009 and a half. <laughs> yes, a little innuendo. When a sophisticated stealth fighter plane prototype is stolen from the U.S. government, one of the United States' top spies, Alex Scott, played by Owen Wilson, is called to action. What he doesn't expect is to get teamed up with a cocky civilian, world-class boxing champion Kelly Robinson, played by Eddie Murphy, on a dangerous top-secret mission to get Wonder Woman's plane back from arms dealer (laughs) Malcolm McDowell. Also starring Famke Jansen and Gary Cole, I Spy was directed by the Brady Bunch movie's Betty Thomas, who was tasked with bringing another beloved TV series to the big screen. I Spy stumbled at the box office, taking in $12.7 million on its opening weekend, en route to a domestic box office of $33.5 million and a worldwide total of $51.4 million. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of I Spy? Uh, <laughs> I was sort of kind of pleasantly surprised, uh, me actually. Me too, Fred. Me too. I was, I'm trying to formulate. I'm like, I guess what I thought of it was that it was better than I thought it was going to be. It was better than I thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, I, I laughed a lot. I, I mean, it was very, it was up and down. It was very, very up. Yeah. There were moments where I'm like, oh, this is really funny. And then there are moments I'm like, oh, just flatlined. And then I got funny again, and then yeah. a flatline. I'm going to just throw this out there. Here's why it doesn't work for me. Owen Wilson. Eddie Murphy was great. Very funny, in really good form, I thought. Mm. 
and needed to be, in order for him to be the comic foil, the other guy he's paired with needs to not be also a, an oddball comic character. It yeah, should be, kind of a if schlub, it's a spy, yeah. if it's a goddamn, like, James Bond spy, if it's fucking James Bond, right. and then Eddie Murphy's like, you know, it's it's the 48 hours formula. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, it yeah. wants to be this, and Eddie Murphy's doing his part, but I don't believe in Owen Wilson as a spy for two no, seconds, no, and he's no, doing no. his thing. God, no. And it just kind of, yeah. for me, it just kind of made the whole souffle fall. That's yeah, you know what? That's so that's funny because that 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 makes sense because I actually really liked Owen Wilson in this, and I went in thinking I that like him. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to. I'm like, eh, mm. Owen Wilson. I'm tired of your shtick, <laughs> and I don't know why. I always go into his movies thinking that, but I I always really like him. I don't know why I have that preconceived notion in my head. Um, and I what I what I love about Owen Wilson and really sort of. With this movie in particular, no one plays optimism like him. He is mm. always he like we were yeah. talking about improv earlier. Like he he is a yes and all the way. Everything <laughs> is yes and he's like yes and we can and yes and this. and he propels everything forward with this wonderful sense of optimism. However, you so I I really enjoyed him and I enjoyed that they did. He was sort of schlubby and stumbling, but they do show moments where he's like, oh no, but he's good. He's 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 they unsure do, yeah. of himself, but he is good. Mm-hmm. He knows how to fight. He knows what the fuck he's doing. He's got this job for a reason. He's just got self-confidence issues. But you're right, Jason. I think that's a part that's missing that I never thought of that maybe it would have been better with more like like almost like a Josh Brolin. That's ex- you know? Dude, wow. are you out of your fucking mind? I was just going to say, <laughs> Josh, I have it written here. I'll take a fucking picture of it so <laughs> people don't think I'm lying. I wrote, needs more of a, I was just about to say, Josh Brolin needs more of a serious straight man, a Josh yeah. Brolin, someone who can be funny but isn't a comedian. God damn it. Now we're right there. Right. But then you have like the men in black type of thing. That's what I was thinking. Which is a thinking. formula that like, works very well. Yes, but it, it does. But, do you think that that's why they went another direction? Do you think that's why they went another direction? Because no, they okay, were just like the rush hour t- formula, straight man, funny guy. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the men in black formula, the this formula. You know, do you think that they're on purpose going against the formula in order to just go against it or what? No, I just think they package something with two comedy stars mm, to think to up the funny yeah owen wilson was huge at this point i mean it was That's before true, wedding yeah. crashers but after oh. meet the parents and the and and royal tenenbaums and stuff he's like mm, in that sweet okay. he was just becoming he was like he was doing star. a lot of these movies like shanghai noon he was in everything and it was like you know and they're trying to see is he the romantic leading man guy is he like you know, is he a Will Ferrell funny guy is yeah. he what you know can he be an action guy there's that moment in people's careers sometimes where they're like Let's see what what hole we can fit this peg into and see Let's like where, you know how much yeah. can we No, I'm, again, I like him a lot too in a lot of things. I, I really do. And yeah. and I, it's not that he was unlikable in this. He was totally likable. Yeah. Too likable for a super spy in my in my <laughs> opinion. I thought he should have a little more edge to him, but again, his character is great if the movie then is about him being the fish out of water where Everyone else is like, it's like, I'm a great spy, but I'm also like a real sweet guy. You know, that's a funny conceit for like. But but wasn't I Spy a very, very serious show? No, I think it was. I think it was sort of cheeky because the idea was that I I, I could be wrong because, again, I never I just looked it up. But uh, Cosby played like a tennis instructor, like a tennis pro. But they were both spies, but they sort of played off that they were like swinging bachelors 
that would sixties kind that of would drug 60s women thing. and take them back. Oh, and now away. wait a no. minute! Oh, hold on. Um, <laughs> no, I think that was the idea. So, what would have been interesting <laughs> if they flipped the roles and you had Eddie Murphy as a sort of fast talking super spy and mm-hmm. Owen Wilson as like you could see him as this sort of you know shaggy tennis pro mm, or you know okay. this beach bum or like whatever like a surf coach you yeah. know but who's also <laughs> taking into yeah. the world of spydom it yeah. might have i don't know i, don't yeah. know. I, I guess it worked i agree with you it was funnier than i thought it was going to be but for yeah. me that really came from eddie murphy and and we've said before betty thomas a great She's a very good comedy director. Brady Bunch, the original Brady Bunch movie, Howard Stern's movie, Private Parts. She's good at taking material that should not work and making it work on screen. I I think, I just felt like, of her movies, I feel like this one was one of the least inspired of them. And I I do think it just didn't, uh, I mean, it was very, it was competent and it was straightforward and it was, it was fun sometimes, you know, and they had good, they had good chemistry. Uh, yes, it was yeah, a couple years after. Okay. It really Hour. felt a lot like Rush Hour to me, just as far as the, yes, me as too. far as the, what they're trying to capitalize on is that yes. dynamic. Oh shit! Yeah, oh shit! Come here, man. This is bad. We gonna get caught here because you didn't tell me about the alarm in time. This is your fault. Put that on. What is this? It's a mask. Put it on. This looks like a sock. It's a spy mask. It's a special spy mask. Right. Put it on. Looks like a sock. Hey, man, this is a sock. There's some pretty complicated action stuff in this movie like the big yeah. the, the big chase scene is like it's kind of whether on the yeah, yeah. something's yeah, been bothering me and it, and it really bothered me about this movie with this cha- with this action sequence and i actually thought there was a moment where i thought oh owen wilson's trying to make sense of this and also because i was surprised that betty thomas did this as well because like i said there were moments that worked and then there are other moments where i thought like they're just trying to they're like no betty this this set piece needs to happen so just direct it this way, sure. You know, and because there's the scene where where they where they're first escaping from completely wasted Malcolm McDowell's lair. Like I, know. I mean, He's what are four lines in this thing? Why have McDowell in it? That's, that's much like Rush Hour with uh, uh, Tom Wilkinson, who says like right. literally like four or five lines. I, I feel like, like Tom Wilkinson had a, but at least that character, there was more setup there. This yeah. is more of a nothing. Twist. You're right. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. with this character. Nothing anyway, but you know, they're hanging and they, they do that big drop and they land on the tent. And I'm getting, right. aside from super, I see this in so many movies and action movies. And aside from superhero movies, it always bothers me because you can't survive a fall like that no, without breaking God, something. No. And yeah. I understand, I get it. It's a movie and it's an action movie. Sure. But I was like, there's no fucking way. I'm like, all right, maybe Owen Wilson, he's a trained spy. So maybe he knows how to do, but, but no, they, 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 they can't survive it. Captain <laughs> America. Yes. No one else. But I noticed <laughs> Later, a little later in that action sequence, Owen Wilson, and there were, there was a few lines that I thought, I bet Owen Wilson is this is all his ad libbing because he sort of starts to make that up. He's like, yeah, we don't we don't have that many lives left, or like, oh, I think I broke my leg. He's playing yeah. around with the fact that he sort of comments on the fact like there's really no way you can survive. I thought this. that was very interesting when he said the uh, the thing. No, 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 because he's a screenwriter as well. He's a writer. Exactly. And I, I think he I was thought trying when to he said the thing it. about breaking my leg. I broke my leg. No, I'm okay. It, yeah, it was like trying to inject a tiny bit of realism into it. Yeah. I agree with you, Fred. Right. I thought that same thing. And yeah. I think he does improv a lot because he also has a moment where he says, 
exactly a line. He says an exact line from Wedding Crashers where he says, I love your enthusiasm. I love your enthusiasm. He said, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's like the exact cadence is the exact word. So it's like, you know, and of course, these comedians are allowed to riff on a take and stuff. And so you go to your, you know, you've got your go to things like he this knows is my what personality. His is. I'm the optimistic guy. Yeah. It's funny. This is three years before Wedding Crashers, but I noticed it. It stood oh. out to me. I was like, this is oh. like from another movie. And I was like, oh, it's because oh. he's just. He's just riffing as Owen Wilson here. He's but no, that's a, that's a great point, Fred. I did not buy Eddie Murphy as a boxer at all. That was some oh, of the no. worst boxing on film I've ever seen. <laughs> much of it. It didn't bother me because he's oh. so fit and stuff. He looks yeah, so but as soon as he great. took one swing, I'm like, oh, no. It was <laughs> I, like, I was just, no, it didn't. I didn't buy it. I'm like, he'd get his ass kicked. I mean, he's got the motor mouth personality to be a great, like he's got that Ollie, you know, just yeah, swagger. But yeah. no, the actual boxing I just thought was just looked ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um did I really liked the scene. I was chuckling all through the sexual healing scene with with uh Fonka. Hysterical. Oh my yeah. god. I thought that was very funny. I thought that was very funny. I I, I was not expecting it to go that I wasn't long. expecting to laugh. So as soon as he started <laughs> yeah. to sing, I was like there's a part of me that thought, "Oh, this is going <laughs> to be dumb." And I was <laughs> laughing well, because Owen they just Wilson kept was going saving with it. it. You know, uh, Owen yeah. Wilson's how he was uh, relaying it back to Famke yeah. Jansen was pretty funny. Yeah. And when I get that feeling, I need sexual healing. When I get that feeling, it's I need sexual healing. Yeah, I just need, I just need sexual. I know it sounds crazy. I'm just, you know, I'm, but I'm trying to lyrics, but it just, it just, it just ma- makes me feel so fine. And it's good for us. It's good for us. I, I, I liked more the scene where they're in the in the sewer and they're talking about the fumes are going to get to you. You yes, to, and, and Eddie Murphy's like, hey, man, no offense, but I ain't one of those guys that you know, you know, stop pulling his heart out and get real personal with another guy. So save it for somebody else. Smash, Smash cut, cut to him like, my grandmother raised me. My grandmother. Okay. Oh yeah, she's the one that you know put the time in. You know, day to day. You know, feeding. You know. Sounds like a sweet woman. Sweet, sweet lady of Best line in the movie, my grandmother's first person to punch me in the face. (laughs) Look at me laughing at this Although, I thought, what a wasted moment. They spend this entire scene in the sewer, and the whole concept is it smells so bad. Right. And I I was like, what a wasted opportunity when they walk in to the the warehouse. No one is going, why do you smell like this? Yeah, exactly. That could have been such a great comedic moment. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, we're so glad. Oh, you know, something. Yeah. You smell fucking terrible. Yeah. yeah. And it, and does he go into the sexual healing bit right after that? Yes, exactly. See that? Yeah, that's what I, that would have been so funny for her to be like, come here. And then like, oh, my God, you smell like a sewer. Yeah, that would have been hilarious. Funny. I thought she was good. Is this post X-Men for her? Yeah. Famka. She's uh, she's pretty. She's you know what happened to her? Is she still doing stuff? I mean, we don't see much of her these days. Uh, yeah, no, she is, I think, but yeah, okay, you're right. I, I can't think, think of Gary Cole, story. always very funny. Gary Cole, always great. Boy, this was like that last gasp of, well, I say last gasp, it lasted another 15 years of like white guys playing Hispanics on, right. on, on No, film. but that's what I thought, but then wasn't the point, but don't, don't they make a line that he's not really Hispanic? He just spent some time in Spain, so now he thinks oh, he is. Oh, is that it? Oh, well, there you go. Oh, I, I missed think, that. If that was in oh, there, that's, then a, that's funny. That, that's a way to save their skin. Yeah. That was something that mm. Owen Wilson said and i'm telling you there's so many lines where i'm like oh. i think owen wilson is adding that to try to fix this script. that's 
That's again. All right. Now Boy. I was I was thinking Owen Wilson was the the problem with the movie. Maybe he's the <laughs> maybe he's the saving grace. No, I really saw it. a lot of moments of him tr- trying to say, "Hey, there's a hole here, but no one's going to listen to me." So oh, let's wow. let me just see if I can get this in there. You're bringing me around now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't Interesting. Know. How, well, many, uh, how many? How many shields? Shields? I'll give it a, a five. That's what I was going to give I Spy as well. So I'll go five point five. five. Yeah, to be different. Good. Just right up the middle with Eddie and Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but back to movies that really matter. The Santa Claus 2. He's the greatest Santa the world has ever known. Love what you guys do, thinking outside the box. Thanks, Santa. You're the man. Well, they gave me the big belly. He's made his list and checked it twice, but he forgot to read. The single most important detail in the history of Christmas. The fine print. I've got to get married? Yes. It's Mrs. Claus. Tim Allen is Scott Calvin and every man who has carried the mantle of Santa Claus for the past eight years. His loyal elves, including David Krumholtz and Spencer Breslin, consider him to be the best Santa ever. But Calvin's world turns upside down when he's dealt a double whammy of news. Not only has his son Charlie, played by Eric Lloyd, landed on this year's naughty list, but Scott discovers that he must marry by Christmas Eve or he will stop being Santa Claus forever. Also starring Elizabeth Mitchell as the prospective Mrs. Claus, The Santa Claus 2 opened with $29 million at the box office and went on to earn $139.2 million domestically with a worldwide total of $172.8 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of The Santa Claus 2? I wish the listeners could have seen Dan's face while you were talking this whole time. Really? What, what did it look like? Was he just upset? Oh, my God. The eye rolling would give, like, George Saunders and All About Eve lots of money. That was amazing. Talk, talk about movies that have never been mentioned in the same breath before. The Santa Claus 2 and All About Eve. The same plot, really. I mean, a lot of themes shared. Doppelgangers. Um, but the uh, as you're saying the plot, as you're recounting the plot... Mm-hmm. I'm just remembering all of the many, many innumerable contrivances that make this movie's plot <laughs> its plot. I mean, <laughs> I can't even wrap my head. I mean, this is just such, I mean, they had to have an idea, right, to to take eight <laughs> years to put this thing through. And this was what they came up with. I did. I had never seen the first one, so I watched the first one first. Ah. And I oh. enjoyed it. I did enjoy yeah. it. Had you guys seen the first one before? I, I never have, and I didn't watch it going oh, into this. Oh, okay. I was like, you, let me just should. do it. Let it's me just enjoyable. do this fresh. I saw the Santa. I saw that in the movie theaters. I saw the Santa Claus. I think my we went. My sister and I went with my mom, and we saw it when it came out in 1994. And okay. uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, you know, it's very. Uh, it, it, like a lot of these Disney things, you know, the Disney live action things, I, it, it feels a little bit sort of cranked out. It's number two certainly does, but it's, you know, there, there are some moments of, of where you go, oh, Tim Allen, actually, when he puts in some time, effort and energy can actually connect and actually be, you know, uh, uh, genuine and, and truthful, especially when quest. he's talking to the sun at the end and all of that. I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. But I liked the general conceit of that movie, which is. Um, if you didn't pick up on this, Fred, from the second one, he becomes Santa Claus. I don't know if that was clear. He's a regular guy. Oh. And he be- 
<laughs> he's like a toy company exec oh, or something. No, I did. I, I, I looked up the plot just so no, I, would, I wouldn't no, be too I'm, confused. I'm but I, I had a feeling that's sort yeah, of right. Where he's it was a regular going. guy who becomes Santa Claus. Um, but the way he becomes Santa Claus, I don't know if you picked up on this from the second movie. It's just because the previous Santa Claus falls off his roof. Right. He like kills him by accident. Well, you don't know what happens to him. And that's the thing you're thinking throughout the whole first movie and this movie. They're like, well, they must explain at some point what maybe they do in the third one. I've never seen that one. But do they ever say what actually happened? Because he turns back, he the guy's gone and there's only the suit. So when you uh, hurt yourself, die, whatever the fuck happened to the original Santa Claus. You Obi-Wan? Yeah, you basically yeah. Obi-Wan out of the ether, yeah. into the ether. And then and hopefully someone puts on the suit like it's never spoken of. So Santa Claus is a Jedi. I now I'm going to start celebrating so. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> but that never gets so, you know, it, it's just full of it's full of contrivances, but you don't mind them so much in the first movie. But this second movie, it's like, OK, how can we put pressure on this situation? Well, we'll make it so that he has to get married by a certain time. And we'll give him a magic indicator or like a watch that says how much magic he has. Oh, he and didn't have that, that in the first out, one? No, that has nothing to do with anything. It has, no, it, they just drop it in there. The, 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 the Bernard character who's completely different in the first movie. He's kind of like the cool guy of the elf. He's like, yeah, come on, man, just do it. And yeah, now he's, he's like the new Cause the I love Krumholtz. David Krumholtz. Yeah. Krumholtz. And I, I was, I thought he had a, I, I remember thinking, Oh, I thought he had a bigger role or like, it was a funny cause he's a really funny guy. He's, very he's funny. hilarious. He's, he's, like funny because he's like, ah, come on, what do you, come on. You just got to do this. You just put on the suit. Come on. You're like, he's, he's very, he's very off the cuff and he's very, uh, he's got, he's, he's very, he's a little bit more, more um, gruff, I guess, but but in this one, he's like, it's like Woody Allen. Well, <laughs> it's, like well, it's been eight years. He's evolved. He's gotten older. <laughs> he's gotten a little height on him now. He's like, the characters change. I thought it was very funny when he's trying to tow the company line when he he's very Colin Powell like when the uh, when the pseudo Santa takes over it's a bit, you know it's very funny again we talk about like the time these movies came out and this yeah. is like right around the axis of evil speech and like everybody yeah. was like this guy's going to take us to war it's coming it's going to happen and and it was very interesting kind of seeing like this kind of Saddam like, you know, dictator like yeah. version of he's, Santa Claus. He's sort of Saddam meets Gaddafi meets Stalin in a way. Yeah. Means means was... meets evil Superman from Superman 3. <laughs> yes. That's what I kept thinking. Yes. But man, fucking Tim Allen, have more fun with that, for God's sake. You know, the plasticky <laughs> version of himself. I mean, you could add so much fun with that. Can you imagine like, okay, now you have to play a plastic robot version of yourself. Yeah. Let your imagination go crazy. He he just is he just smiles a lot and says things with a little more energy. And it's like, oh man, that that what a missed opportunity there. From this moment forward, we're not gonna make any more toys. The children of the world don't deserve these presents. They're running rampant with naughtiness. So for this Christmas, we're gonna give those greedy, selfish little kids exactly what they deserve. A beautiful High quality yet low sulfur variety of coal. I was again. I was sort of pleasantly surprised. Oh yeah, with the movie. Now again, I didn't see the first one. I, I did find myself laughing more than I thought I would. I loved the sort of league of fictional characters. You know, like <laughs> the, the, the like the Tooth Fairy mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Cupid. I thought the Tooth Fairy was great. Were they in the first movie? No. no. Peter no. Boyle is in the first movie, but he plays his boss. 
Oh, how funny. Oh, that's right. That's so yeah. weird. And now and he's in father this time. one, he's father time. He has a little cameo. I thought that scene was very funny. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoy, like I said, I enjoyed the, the Tooth Fairy. I thought the Molly Shannon, Molly Shannon scene, scene was amazing. Was that hysterical. was great. She's brilliant. She is so the good. queen yeah. of 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 uh, uh, embarrassing, shameless. Like she puts herself out there and steals it's it. It's just she just goes so far. It's so cringy. It was so believable. Yes, it was so mm-hmm. real. It was such a real person. Yes. So what do you do? I'm actually hoping someday to break into the music business. As a singer-songwriter. No way. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like Shania Twain? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing about singing at Christmas is the Coco, Carolyn, and Fine. Know that one? I know that song. Oh, 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 go totally Yuletide. Taking a sleigh ride. Good. Santa shirt, ranger skirts. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 hey. watching the windows fog, drinking some eggnog. That's good. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Fill up a stocking. I spray on some flocking. Oh. Put up a tree. Free. Sports on TV. <sighs> I want to be free yeah, to feel the way I feel. Man, I feel like some Christmas. Is there something else that I missed from the first? Because I was watching this one. I was a little creeped out in the beginning with all the kids in the factory. It seemed there's something, it was like sweatshop. Right. That's and then funny. I was like, okay, so they're all elves. They're all like 900 years old. That's, but there the, was, that's the conceit, yeah. There was something a little creepy yes. about it to me that he's like, all right, keep working, keep working. And I'm like, oh, well, especially yeah. when it's like, now you have to mine coal. I was like, are we in Indiana yeah. Jones and the Temple of Doom all of a sudden? <laughs> Where we just like clink, clink, clink with the hammers? Santa Claus is Kalima. <laughs> it's Kali very Ma funny. How, the world. How every, how all of these live action Christmas movies, like how they handle the problem of like, what are the elves at the North Pole like? Is it all, is it all a cast of little people? Is it right. like what they do in- Which you see um, so often, yeah. In Elf? What they do in Elf and mm-hmm. Fred Claus, they kind of, it's it's Forced it's all digital effects. Forced it's visual trickery right. and stuff. So, and I think that's preferable, but this is an interesting way around it to say, well, they're timeless, they're ageless. And so the elves are children. It's, but it is weird, Fred. And that's a, that's obviously the number one reason it's weird, but it's also weird in that, it never feels like he has any adults around him. And that's got to be fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> they just don't feel like, it's like, I know they're supposed to be hundreds of years old, but it's still, it's just, you're talking to children all day long for 364 days out of the year. He must go fucking nuts. Yeah, um, it was that, that was a strange thing. I love uh, Elizabeth Miller. I who played the principal. Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell. Sorry, but Elizabeth Mitchell. I, I loved her on Lost, on ER, and I thought she was great in this. I didn't buy that they fall in love, but God, I thought she was so good. I did buy it because because she's so good. She's so good. She's such a good actress. She sells the shit out of all of it. She sells sells the hard-ass principles. She sells the transition into- When she starts to fall for him, like you, uh, when she starts to smile- it, you really you get caught up in that. It's really magical. You're like, wow, she's she's, she's giddy and you buy it. And she, 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 yeah, she, for me, she makes the movie. And there would be the most incredible presents under the tree, all from Santa. Uh, one year was a rocking horse. 
and I named it Harvey. <laughs> and the next year was a little red wagon, which I made a lemonade stand, which was great. And the last year was a baby doll, pink and soft and beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. I actually like this movie. I don't think it's, I, it's, it is, you know, it's a sequel eight years after the original. It is yeah. loaded with contrivances, but it works better than I thought it would, especially in those scenes. I do like the, I like the holiday mascot stuff. I thought that was fun. Yes. And I, but I really like this. I want to say I like this relationship, but it's really that I just like this actress yeah, it's her. in this role yeah. and how she navigates I mean, this is a, the high, the degree of difficulty for an actor to like. You know, it's like I'm falling in love with Tim Allen. I'm uh, I'm going to become <laughs> that's, Mrs. That's enough of a strike gonna, right there. I'm going to become Mrs. Santa Claus. I have to like decide in two seconds if I'm going to marry this guy. You know, I I don't. I I'm like, oh, you lost a little weight when he's clearly like de aging and melting in front of my eyes. Uh, I mean, she just he's sells, Benjamin buttoning it. Right she in front sells of everything so well, and I was really taken by it. And I have to say, for me, the scene where all the middle aged all the school teachers are at the Christmas party. And he gives them toys from their childhood. And you see yeah. all those actors, all those actors playing those teachers. Some of them don't even have any lines, but you see like the looks on their faces when they open up Rock'em Sock'em Robots or the Holly Hobby yeah, Easy Bake nice Oven. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was beautiful. I was like, it gets we you. can all imagine that. If you think of like your favorite toy from childhood that you haven't yeah. seen, you don't even remember if it exists. You're like, I mm -hmm. think I remember playing with this thing. And you get like, this box and all of a sudden your memory floods with what it was like to be five years old playing with this thing. I bought the reactions. I bought the, the transition from apathy to joy that they all had. And I thought it was great. I was like, for me, that sequence was like a nine, you know, the movie is not, but that <laughs> sequence was just perfect. My favorite actor in the whole movie was the, uh, the young pilot in the beginning who notices the sound, who hears the sounds Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. He, I totally forgot about that. He was, yeah, he was great, actually. He, that's what sold me to the movie. And I thought the opening was good. It was sort of exciting, you know, whether I like go to, what was it? Not DEFCON 3 or DEFCON 4. What do they call it? Was it ElfCon? Or Elf I don't know Con. if that's what it was. Was that it? ElfCon? Yeah. Elf yeah. I, I don't know. That might be from another movie. They do no, that. No, I jokes think it, like it was ElfCon. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I was like, who is this guy? He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of wanted to see him throughout the movie. I wanted him to come back and have a payoff later in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, him and Elizabeth Mitchell. That's, you know, they should have at the end. Ah, been like, great. And, and then and, and then, then Tim Allen like, shows up. No, no, I'm gonna die. I can't be Santa anymore. And then Tim Allen shrivels into a husk, and the guy that you liked from the beginning becomes Santa Claus. And then we have a, a series of sequels with two actors we all like, <laughs> and Peter Boyle. Did you have a and favorite uh, non-Star Wars toy? That was your, like, when you think about that toy. I had Toss oh, Across, yeah. which is in the movie. That sucked. Mm. I hated, fucking hated Toss Across. But um, did you have a favorite? I'm immediately going to, I remember getting a Steve Austin $6 million man. Yes. And you could look Hanukkah, through the eye hole. Look through the eye. Yeah. Come, Sasquatch. My favorite was my Richard Scarry farm. That was the greatest. I could play oh, with that. Oh, yeah. Ever. And it was like a 2D farm. And you yeah. could like, you know, you yeah. made the barn and you made the silo and the little pig and I everything. I totally remember and, those. And uh, I, I would, I, like, that was one of those ones that was like, oh, you're always playing with this farm? He's good for three hours. I'll <laughs> <laughs> come back, check on him at four o'clock because he'll be, he'll be playing with that silently for hours. I'm surprised you didn't become a farmer. 
Animal husbandry. <laughs> now, when you got older, did you take all like your wrestling figures and they attacked the farm and they would have barnyard battles? Yes, Hillbilly Jim was the farmer, and he would he would drop the elbow on on lowly worm. It's the barnyard buster. <laughs> uh, he'd fight lowly worm. Um, lowly How many Migo action figures would you give Santa Claus to? Oh, Migos are valuable. Yeah, those are valuable. This All right, let's go back much. to Sheila's then. I'll go 3.5. I'll go six. four. I'll go four on it because you guys are convincing me. I was gonna I was gonna say four point five. Oh. Well, I'm going I'm I'm going six point five. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean it on was the okay. strength of that of, of that mostly Elizabeth Mitchell. And that I was like, it's it's hey, she a does good a performance job. can it's save a movie. It really can. Okay. Um well that was the Santa Claus too. Do we have any uh is there anything in uh in in uh, Chris Kringle's sack this week? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> in the old in the old mail sack. Well, this is the strange thing, you guys. You know, last week we got a big piece of the uh, of the script, the first draft of the script yes. for uh, mm-hmm. from uh, for for Lunchline, which they're all working on together. And if you remember, you know, there was it, it, they were all listed as co-screenwriters. Every single one of them, every member of the Arthropod Squad, is listed as a as a co-screenwriter. And then it says with additional scenes or whatever by Adam, by Adam or additional yeah. dialogue. So, you know, uh, th- there's lots of, you know, what we know, what we would call pink pages in this. They're just hmm. added. They're ju- there's just all these pages that he's added in. And he's been sending me more of them. Like there's oh, all boy. of these, you know, uh, Timmy the janitor scenes that he just keeps sending me. Harry, Timmy the janitor. And, <sighs> and you know, I'm going to, oh, I'll, 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 uh, is it all right if I share some of these? Because they're kind Please. of, they're odd. They're, they're very, very strange. They're kind of very stream of consciousness, you know? <laughs> and it's just, I guess they're just long monologues or diatribes or something. Huh. It's just that's sort of That's like sort of the Ardwolf way, though. I feel like Ardwolves in general are very stream of consciousness and they just sort of, go, <laughs> right? Isn't that? Well, they're yeah, loners. I mean, we know that. Yeah. So who, yeah. you know, that, but I, I think they just kind of, the, the, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of what Spacey was doing in seven with all of those, all of those, uh, oh. all of those notebooks of just like stream of consciousness. So yeah, yeah I guess he's going, right, he's going fucking crazy. Well, we're, we're coming, we're coming up hard on the moment when, when, uh, Adam Brundle flies himself and like point, takes a rifle with his hoof and oh, just, God forbid, and God asks, forbid, Jason. I'm just saying, <laughs> shall well, I, shall he's going to ask somebody on that squad. He's going to well, be like, please. Well, we, end well then this. we may have to step in because I, maybe he's sending us these as a, some sort of a warning. It might, be, it might be a cry for help. I didn't mean to take it that far down, but I no, just, no, it just well, doesn't sound good. None of it, it doesn't sound good. good, but listen, you know, that may be where it's headed. Um, but I'll read you just one of these recent ones that he sent me. Let me get it out of the old the sack here because I got to pull them out because there's a lot of them that he's oh boy. sent. Okay, get this one out. Yeah, perfect example here. Uh, I mean, it just it, it's it just it just goes on and on. And I don't even know. He doesn't even say where this happens in the movie. Is he in his like janitor's office? Is he roaming the halls of the school? It's just dialogue. It <laughs> just says, you know, Harry Timmy. I am me. I am Ardwolf. Hear me roar. Hear me cry. I am janitor. Janitor Ardwolf. I will clean. Clean your school. Make it pretty. Make it nice for you. Scrubbing. Scrubbing. Forever scrubbing. Can't get. Can't get it clean. Can't get clean. 
clean up the vomit in the gym, in the cafeteria, in the bathroom, everywhere. Oh God, it's everywhere. This is my life. This is, is this my life? What is life? What is destiny? What is freedom? Freedom, freedom, D-U-M-B. Free stupid, <laughs> freelance is better. So many dreams, so many dying dreams, so many businesses. A landscaping company, ragged hedge. Why have a perfectly symmetrical hedge when you can have a ragged hedge? I guess that's like jagged, that's based on jagged edge. <laughs> A, a, a Christian company, Mimin Church. Why have plain old church with a plain old priest when your priest can be a mime? You thought you were born in church before. Just wait for Mimin Church. I guess that's based Simon on Simon Birch. Birch. Simon Birch. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? I, I suppose. <laughs> okay. A breakfast company, Daddy Jack. Tired of womanly flapjacks? Try Daddy Jack. With Our flapjacks are the manliest. Made with flavors dads like, whether it's beer, barbecue, or burger and fries. Daddy Jack takes the pansy out of your pancake. I mean, he's just, this is in the movie. He's doing this in, the, this is dialogue. Wait, what is uh, I guess Jack that's Caddyshack, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose that's based on Caddyshack. Daddy Jack sounds like a very different kind of movie, but I'll just, exactly. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so many good ideas. Good ideas ruined, ruined by the stars. The stars, the star of Baby's Day Out, the star of Lunchline, Jacob Joseph, Jacob Joseph, Joseph, Jacob, fat fuck, fat fuck, JJ, JJ. Everybody loves JJ. Everybody loves love. What is love? JJ loves craft services. JJ gets the good food. Adam only gets onions, sweet, bitter onions, onions and shallots, 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 shallot will know. Shallot sees all. Shallot is hairy, hairy like me. Shallot is hairiest of all. Shallot has the answers. Gorillas in the mist, more like a killer who is pissed. One true, one true thing. More like one huge sting, sting, sting of a bee, of a hornet, my hornet, my sweet hornet. How she used to sting me. Now she stings another, another brother, first brother, first brother, first daughter, more like first slaughter. <gasps> I am, and then he goes back to I am me, I am Ardwolf, Ardwolf who cleans. JJ, JJ will pay, 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 pee, pee, have to pee, pee, must pee, pee. And then there's a big stain on it. So... I Why mean, am I laughing at this torment? That's that just won an Obie Award. <laughs> wow. I mean, that sounds like the that was a vagina monologue if ever I've heard one. Wow. I mean, what do you uh, make of that, you guys? He really. What is. I make of it is that Adam is one He's of our biggest fans. Crazy. He's listening to our podcast. We're we're really affecting him. Fred, is that how you only see things through the prism of how how much people enjoy you? And what you're doing? Just this guy's us. crying out for pay. Yeah, okay, all right. But we're we're affecting him. What I'm saying is, opening weekend podcast is affecting that's people. True. That's right? true. He's infused that into his his mental breakdown, and I think that's important. But for and I think it's something I feel good about. He's infused. I mean, I'm terrified. It's terrifying, but I feel like we're we're doing some good. I mean, he might use our podcast to, for slaughter, but yeah. for slaughter. He said first slaughter. For slaughter. Oh, wow, that's, my God. It's not great. Uh, Geppetto's very experimental. That much I know. And if he's <laughs> encouraging this, then he's going to find a way to work it in. It's going to be pretty, uh, uh, you know. It, he's a, most a true of the Italian auteur. surrealist. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the Italian surrealist directors are experimental. They like to sort of go all over uh, the place. You, you know, there's, there are true artists out there. There are the, there are the, the Scorsese's, the Geppetto's, the Paul Thomas Anderson's. <gasps> ah, so true. So true. You know, true. A great yeah. artist. Sometimes people don't, uh, you know, they're not appreciated in their time. From Adam uh, the Yardwolf to Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Rife, rife with segues. It's Punch Drunk Love. And all at once, I knew I knew it once. I 
so much strength in me, you have no idea. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. Barry Egan, played by Adam Sandler, is a timid and shy man leading a lonely, uneventful life, partly due to the constant berating he suffers from his seven sisters. However, Egan's mundane existence is shaken up for good when he meets and almost immediately falls in love with his sister's co-worker, Lena Leonard, played by Emily Watson. But this sweet, delicate new romance is threatened when Barry falls victim to a sleazy extortionist played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Pulsing with anxious, vibrant life, Paul Thomas Anderson's intimate, small-scale follow-up to his sprawling Magnolia proved that Adam Sandler could shine as a dramatic actor and romantic leading man, but underwhelmed at the box office, earning only $367,000 over its opening weekend on its way to a domestic total of $17.8 million and a worldwide box office of $24.6 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Punch Drunk Love? I adore this movie. I absolutely love, 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 love it. I rewatched it recently, and I'd seen it several times because it was it was on HBO. Uh, I saw it when it first came out. I saw it the opening weekend mm-hmm. um, because, I, and we've talked about this before, especially you and I, Jason. Boogie Nights is probably a top five movie for me. Oh, Definitely top ten. Probably top five movie. It's of all number time. two for me. Uh, I love. Magnolia. I recently rewatched that, and we were, we were talking about that a little while ago via text. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I know that's a very problematic movie for some people, but I love it. I love him as a filmmaker, Paul Thomas Anderson. He's probably my favorite director next to Scorsese, and they're so similar. I mean, obviously, Boogie Nights yeah. is such an homage to Scorsese, and but they they both have this wonderful musicality. I mean, they, they use music wonderfully in their movies, but just in terms of the filmmaking, there's a musicality to it that I love. And I saw this movie when it first opened just because of Paul Thomas Anderson. And it's interesting. I have never been a fan of Adam Sandler from the moment I first saw him on remote control. Mm-hmm. Oh my I gosh. Never, remote control. Yeah. Oh my I, God. I never liked him and I don't know. And I, it's so funny because I hear he's a wonderful guy. He's this great human being and I've grown to appreciate him, but I don't know if it was like some weird, like jealousy or envy of this guy that I sort of recognized something in and was like, well, he is, you know, he's doing something that I wanted to do. I don't know what it was. I just never liked him. And Mm. I remember thinking when I went to see it, I I remember I saw it by myself uh, up in Lincoln Square, the Lincoln Square theaters. (laughs) And I thought, well, I got to go see this because it's Paul Thomas Anderson. But seriously, I'm going to fucking pay money to see an Adam Sandler movie? Uh. (laughs) Because I never done that. I'm like, ah, I don't want to start. And I, he's, he's volcanic in this movie. I love his performance. I love everything about it i'm fascinated and moved by movies movies that explore the damaged psyche Mm. of a young boy Mm, and what it feels like to be a young boy and how that manifests itself into adulthood and the three movies the three characters that i always come back to james gandolfini and where the wild things are Hmm. which is another movie that a lot of people have problems with his performance is heartbreaking and one of the closest things Mm. I feel like it feels like to be a boy 
to be a boy where no one, a little boy where wow. no one listens to you and you just want to be heard and you feel like people are turning against you and the world is against you. Hmm. That Eddie Marsdan in Happy Go Lucky, which is again, absolutely heartbreaking. And I know a lot. It's funny because I know. Is that a Mike Lee film? Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's so good. God damn it. What a director. He's he's got a monologue at the end that I know a lot of women who've watched it and find him despicable. Kate watching Mm. him was like, ugh. She felt no sympathy for him. I sob. Sob when I watch this. And the third is is Barry Egan in in this movie. (laughs) There's something about him that. That is very recognizable to me. I mean, obviously, mm. it's about he's got social anxiety. That's the biggest thing. But there's something about that, this psyche about, you know, being beaten down and just wanting to have a voice. And he's very much a little boy in this movie. And so he, his performance is very moving to me. Yeah. It's it's almost hard to watch because there's something, yeah. you know, there's something that I recognize in myself that I don't want to, that I'm almost... You know, that rage that he has, yeah. that he tries so hard to to keep in. And when it does come out, like that moment where he finally yells at his sister on the phone. Oh, my God, Fred, wife, you read my mind. It's, yeah. it's cathartic. All I want is a number. Can you help me out? Tell me why. Do you like There's her? no reason for you to treat me this way. You like her? You're killing me. You're killing me with oh the way God. you are towards me. Oh All God. I want is a fucking number. That should be goddamn good enough for you. Now give me the fucking number. Okay. You fucking hear me? Yes. I'm sick of this fucking shit. Stop fucking treating me this way. Give me a fucking number. I'll fucking kill you. You want that? He's like, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I mean, and I can yeah. see how you can think like, holy shit, he's got problems. There's something very cathartic about that to me. Not that I condone saying you're going to kill your sister. Right. But. But I just, I love the character. I love, it's it's like a Technicolor musical, you know? Oh, yeah. it's, In a way, it's, yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, with the bright blue and her bright red dress. And there's even, I, I even watching it this time, it's I'm gorgeous. seeing choreography in the movie. Oh, there's yeah. Not, there's the scene where he's dancing in the supermarket, yes. obviously. But there's other moments where there's like it's one shot where he's backing up slowly from the harmonium. I'm like, that's, yes. that's almost choreography. There's a lot of that's camera like, choreography in the movie too. Yeah, absolutely. There's a great moment of them coming together when he comes to Hawaii to see her oh. and they come together and they're kissing and there's people. It's at the airport yeah, and, somewhere, and going people are so going back and forth oh. and back and forth. And then yeah. finally, and they're going and they're swaying back and forth hugging mm-hmm. and kissing as the people are moving past. Yeah. And then it ends with like, and you notice I, the first time ever, I really noticed this the people passing by get fewer and fewer and fewer mm. until they're just alone in the center of the, of the frame. <laughs> and yeah. it feels like happenstance, but it's obviously so carefully choreographed. Like now five people walk through now, two people now, one now, <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody moved. Just the two of them. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's probably beautiful my movie. one of, I would like this and once the movie once are my two favorite romantic oh. comedies. Ooh, you know, <gasps> really? Yeah. I don't even know that I would, I, this is a very funny movie. I don't know that I would even use romantic comedy. As I, the, I know uh, it's no, a weird. It's, it's a very weird, it, funny, but it's also it's just yeah. It's, yeah I, I I just I love their relationship. It's a, it's a she's she's it's fantastic. A Emily Watson, she's wonderful. She's so good, and I love that. You know, it could have been so easy to take because Barry Egan's such a quirky, strange. You know, he's got he's got all these weird 
quirks about him. And it could have been so easy to, to make the female role just as weird and quirky and like, look at these two weird oddballs coming together. She's definitely, there's something there, but she doesn't play it at all. And it's almost like, I don't know if she understands that she's got that same anxiety, but she's been she able has something. to. Yeah. She's got something, yeah. but she's been able to maybe cover it up more than he can. So it's like she recognizes, but I just love yeah. that they didn't go for like these two really out there characters no. that come together. If right. anything, she is a, a, she's a safe haven for him. She's a soothing presence. Like just her, yeah. her, just her presence. She's like the harmonium. Calms yeah, she is exactly. She's like that harmonium he plays. There's something about her. Yeah. She's damaged in her own ways. She seems more, she seems more put back together. It seems like she's yeah. got a little more, control over her she uh, she's done the work right or whatever yes. whether it's she's been in therapy or whatever she there's something about her that is also off center she is another lost lonely soul but she's also a little better able to uh, absorb his trauma and his quirks and his rough yeah. edges and kind Which of envelop him the way she when they do hug her and break the way she oh, holds him yeah. the way she cradles him yeah you talk about a little boy right it's there's something i never thought about it like this i've never thought of her as like a, a like a maternal figure in that way i'm not mm. trying to mix that up in any sense but there is something about it where she just she soothes and cradles him the way she holds his head and the way he buries his head into her I think she's beautiful in it. You're right. And oh, they do tremendous. when, even even when like he's on top of her on the bed and they start to get like really, yeah. she's like, I just want to bite your cheek. Like they <laughs> do. What a scene. Yeah. I'm looking at your face and I just want to smash it. I just want to fucking smash it with a sledgehammer and squeeze it. You're so pretty. I want to chew your face and I want to scoop out your eyes and I want to eat them, chew them and suck on them. Okay. This is funny. This is nice. You know, I, I loved this movie when it when it came out. I I don't know if I I don't remember who I, I saw it with or if it was um, on my own or I'm not, I'm not I don't recall. But but um, I do remember being kind of uh, I remember loving it and also being troubled by it. You know. Um, just because of, of, I was like, so what is this movie ultimately advocating? What is it saying? Is it saying that when you have, you know, he has those lines, there are a couple lines where it's like, oh, Paul Thomas Anderson, that's a little too, it's just a little too on the nose, you know, where he's like, I have a love in my life and that has given me strength. It's like, ah, we kind of don't need that. I love that. It's a tremendous line, but it's like, here's the message of the movie. You know what I mean? But that, that those I remember that being the only times and in this rewatch I was like oh right they kind of just say it you know and I was like uh maybe we didn't need to say it as overtly however that being I guess what the main takeaway is is the the um illusion of strength versus sort of the what strength actually what, what love actually gives you which is true sort of inner strength, I guess, um, and, and feeling good about yourself because he really doesn't, you know, he obviously has deep, deep self-loathing and self-esteem, um, issues. He only knows how to be either completely passive and a doormat or completely aggressive, right? He only has sort of an on switch and an off switch. He only knows how to be totally passive and a complete doormat or absolutely aggressive, you know, when he's 
smashing stuff. You know, they talk about he smashed something with a hammer when yeah. he was little and he kicks through the, that, that incredible scene at the, at the sister's home for the birthday party, <sighs> that scene. Oh my God. And then it ends with you hear, if I'm remembering right, you hear the first smash and then Anderson cuts to him doing the second smash yeah. and the yeah. third smash. That is got a that scene with Robert Smigel cut. Oh, yeah. With the, the, yeah. With the, oh, he's God. the dentist. Now here's something interesting, you know, those sisters. So, so obviously it's like, well, they, there's the illusion of caring there, right? It's sort of the, but it's, it's, they're driving him nuts and they're kind of the, I guess they're sort of the villain of the movie other than, other than Phil yeah. Seymour Hoffman. And, and you, you wonder if, if they're, you know, um, what's the, what's Anderson going for or going after there because they are all, they are all women and everything. And it's like, well, um, Oh, and here's something interesting. I don't know if you picked up on this in the in the cast list. It says, the, you know, at the end, it says the sisters, and then the sisters are listed. And then mm-hmm. as you see the rest of the cast, the phone sex operator is listed as phone sex sister. Phone no, that is weird. I noticed sister. that too in the credits. Huh. For the first time, I was like, that's a yeah. weird way to put it, phone sex sister. You know what I mean? So it's sure. almost like Anderson is saying every yeah. woman, every female influence in this guy's life mm-hmm. has been bad <laughs> yeah. you know and we don't we have, we have no backstory background story on the, his mother or the, the parenting or anything like that but it's right. like and then there's finally a woman in his life who who you know is the first one who cares for him and it's the first moments that he's able to be assertive rather than just passive or just aggressive or passive aggressive he's able to assert himself <laughs> for the for the first time and that's where that that's where true i think that that true strength that he finds comes from mm-hmm. um and i i i love that that's i kind of love that that's the message of the movie is that truth that is that love gives you that but i don't know in life if that's a hundred percent true <laughs> but no but but again it's going you back know. to that to me it's 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 a musical there's there's something right. there's something fantastical about it, and it comes with yes, with, with the music, with the with the, those Technicolor, those moments where it goes to that like weird modern art Technicolor right. blurs. There, I mean, yeah, when when they get into that car accident, which is mm-hmm. you know just terrifying when yeah. it happens, and he ju- he, the, he he looks, he sees the blood, and something just snaps, snaps. and suddenly he, he grabs that crowbar, yeah. and. Yeah, there's a part of you that's like, oh, suddenly he knows how to fight. But the, the way it's played, <laughs> it, it's instinctual. It, it's not it, he doesn't exactly. know how to fight. He's he doesn't just have to like, think about it. He just he just you know, goes into it. And again, it's strength. like choreography. You know, it's just he's going into the dance, and that strength is there. And so I, <laughs> I, I, which I is the whole Popeye thing. I think right. That's the whole reference yes, in Popeye. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, that you song know. from the Shelley Duvall song "He Needs Me" from Robert yeah. Altman's Popeye. Yeah, which is which I such re- a fucking great use of that song and, i yeah. remember when i saw that in the theaters i almost jumped out of my seat when they started to play it because mm-hmm. it was one of those you know we've talked about that movie on this podcast but it was <laughs> one of those moments where i was like oh it, it just brought me back because even as a kid i thought what a weird there's something very unsettling about that song yeah. it's lovely yeah but there's something unsettling oh, yeah. shelly duvall's voice it's just weird it's off Maybe it's because he's so alone Maybe it's because he's never had a home He needs me, he needs me, he needs me, he needs me He needs me, he needs me 
it is sort of fairy tale-ish, I guess. It, it's it totally is. fairy tale. Yeah. But it's also, he, here's this character who's got so much rage inside of him. Right. And it's never, he never knows where to direct it. It's always used, it, it just sort of explodes. And here he's finally able, because of the love of this woman, yeah. he's able to take that rage and put it into a, a different type of strength to protect her. You know, it's the first time he's doing something violent, you know, a, for, for the and, right reasons, I guess, maybe. Right. Well, the, 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 the guy life. slam into his car, send her to the hospital. So he beats them up with the crowbar. When he right. goes to Philip Seymour Hoffman, he just states, yeah. you don't want to mess with this. I have yeah. a love in my life that makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman sees that in his eyes. Yes. Right. And then You're says, right. OK, we're done. So they don't right. wind up coming to blows. He doesn't have a violent act there. He doesn't need to anymore. There's something, all that uh, unresolved, uh, unreleased tension that's in him. Yeah, it comes out in all these different outbursts. But when she's there, there's something too about when she's there with him, we get that sense uh, for the first time. You're like, oh, he's not a relaxed person, but he can relax a little bit because his biography, his past, is it means nothing. Like, this is a new person. He can make himself anew with and her. And he says that in a, the beginning. I mean, that's why he's got the suit. It's like he's yeah. starting to turn a new page. He's, he's like, I just to, bought this suit. He's just trying to, like, you know, start, like, get a fresh start. He's yeah. got a new company. You know, he's trying to, he's got the new suit. He's He's got this idea to travel. Yeah, he's got the pudding. You know, right. <laughs> I love the pudding Oh, thing. the pudding. That's amazing. You know, that's where the, this whole movie sprung out of that. That's a real story from the new, like, the, like yeah, it, was a, right. it was like a little, you know, one of those Are little tiny news items in the paper, like about, oh, somebody kind of gaming this, a Kenosha man finds a blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, that was the launch pad, I wow. think, for the whole movie in it a way. Was. They've, uh, wow. Paul Thomas Anderson was thinking, like, what's the kind of guy who would, you know, he spun off this story about a guy who, like, who looks at the world. It's like a different way of looking at the world, right? I mean, he's he just, he's, wherever he is on the spectrum, right? He just, he sees and thinks about the world. He sees different colors. He hears different sounds. I mean, I think the soundtrack of the film, this sound design, which is amazing. John Bryan Bryan. should have won awards for this. I mean, it's It's really incredible. And I think it's all the, the rhythms and the music in his head. I just really You're making a big What do you think? She's cool, right? I think, uh, why did you just come by like this? It's not cool? No, it's fine. It's just, I, I feel do put on a spot. Do you I don't do know. I don't know. I don't do things like that. You don't do anything. Why are you being scared? I'm not being scared. I just, you're going to rag on me if I do this. I'm not going to rag you. Why would I do this just to rag you? Can I ask you a serious question? Did you ask Walter to get you a shrink? Barry... Did you ask Walter to get you a shrink? What's the matter with you? Are you okay? He is lying. And it just, it's constant. That music just goes and goes and goes and goes. And with those long, sweeping tracking shots that, that Anderson does, like, it just, it melds together and, beautifully. And all these violent incidents in the movie, they're also, uh, again, that first other car expression. F- crash. The, the first, first car one. crashing yeah. and flipping, and you're like, what the fuck? And then nobody thinks about that anymore. No. But the harmonium's there. Right. They, mm-hmm. The truck pulls up, drops off the harmonium. He's focused on that. But then you still see, like, it seems you like see a the fantasy. Wreckage. But you still yeah. see, like, the glass in 
the street later yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, there's that. There's the when the forklift is tipping over in his yes. office. There are these violent outbursts that are yeah. also like the rest of the sound design. Like that's also part of the soundscape, right? Is oh, like absolutely. these crashes yeah. and explosions that yeah. are part of what's going on inside. Like outward expressions of what's going on inside of him. Mm-hmm. It's really it's. It is an unsettling movie in so many ways. You watch it and uh, yeah. and and your anxiety <laughs> amps up as well. But yet it's also I found it. Very, you know, I saw it opening weekend as well when it came out because I'm such a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I found it very funny and weird and disturbing and moving, but ultimately moving. And, and by the end, I was like, oh, my God, I love this movie. I don't yeah. think I knew what I felt. I couldn't process what I felt until we got to the very end. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, what a Valentine. And Because it's so unpredictable, uh, so which unpredictable. is another great oh, thing like, with any no movie. What's going to happen? Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, his performance, but you just, it's so, then suddenly you're like, wait, there's a phone sex operator involved and he's going yeah. to Utah. Yeah, and, the Mattress King and the okay. Philip Seymour Hoffman. God damn it, oh Bill. God, it, watching so this movie made me so angry and sad again that he's yeah. not with us because I, I recently watched Magnolia. There was this. I was watching, I was showing the kids scenes from Along Came Polly, which I hate that movie, but my he's God, he's so it. good in it. Yeah, I like and it. He is, <laughs> I, really I mean, like this him. might be one of my favorite performances of his in this movie. <laughs> it's really pretty tremendous. Yeah. So good. I mean, especially that moment at, because he's so terrifying. But, you know, when he finds, and it's like a Western standoff. I yeah. love that. He goes to Utah and yeah. suddenly as soon as he goes West, it becomes like a Western. Like that <laughs> yes, shot of him in the door. Yes. Yeah. It's like the searchers with like him and like the frame of the it door. In, yeah. And they immediately yeah. know it's him. They immediately yep. sure. know. They don't even have to ask, who are you? What are you doing here? They know it's him. You know what's amazing too in that shot is is that uh, here's part of the fantasy of it, right? All of a sudden he's in fucking Utah, but right. he, he, he decides <laughs> to go. He's got the phone in his hand phone. and the phone with the cord, he still. rips off and he still has the phone receiver in his hand the whole yeah. way to Utah. Yeah. He never lets it go until the moment is done and then he can drop it. Once once yeah. it's dropped, he so drops good. it. Yep. And I love there's that little moment there when they're facing off and Adam Sandler's talking to him. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I would say that's that mattress, man. You came all the way from LA to tell me this. Yes, I did. To all the cops? No. All right. That's that. And then Adam said, there's a moment of tension. Adam Sandler just turns and walks. And when he turns and walks, (laughs) Philip Seymour Hoffman, it pitches forward slightly. Like he was ready to go in, like he thought he was going to have to fight. And so when... Adam moves, not Adam the Ardwolf. And when Adam Sandler moves, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, it's almost like he's caught in the wake of him. It's it's, it's amazing. It's no, just a it's little great. tiny, tiny thing. There Couldn't are all have kinds of things like that. It was just, movie. yeah, it's yeah. so, yeah. so rich. I just want to say something about like the, the, this whole movie feels like it's such a, a beautiful piece. It also feels like I think it's my third favorite of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies behind Boogie mm. Nights and There Will Be Blood. And then I think this yeah, would be my I'm third right favorite. Yeah. Um, this might be my second behind Boogie Nights. But it's like it's like Paul Thomas Anderson loves a, 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 a challenge and he loves to kind of throw down a gauntlet. You know, it's like the, criti- uh, the, the criticism. And I think he gave himself this criticism after Magnolia was like 
It was too big, too sprawling, too unwieldy. It's three and a half hours long or whatever it is. Too many characters, whatever. So this is going to be small, brief. It's like 90 fucking minutes. He doesn't make movies that are 90 minutes. It's intimate as fuck. It's got two main characters and about four supporting characters of note. And oh, and by the way, it's going to star Adam goddamn Sandler, who is still like (laughs) opera man, right? And, uh, And this was the biggest of Paul Thomas Anderson's like, so you think this guy can't act? I'll get him to act, right? Yeah. He's showing off by putting Adam Sandler, who had never done anything remotely Not like this. Close. I mean, he had done the fucking water boy a couple of years before. Put him at the <laughs> center of it. Little Nicky came out around the time of this. Put him at the center of this movie. You think what he did with Burt Reynolds and Tom Cruise was impressive? No, it is. No, it's yeah, amazing. Right. Those are beautiful performances. They are members of an ensemble. They are like, if you don't like them, if they couldn't pull it off, you've got a right. lot of people carrying the weight. This is Adam fucking Sandler. And he said, and apparently, from what this. I've read, yeah. that he said that he wrote this specifically. He met Adam Sandler. Yeah. Because I, just, I was reading a story that Nicole Kidman was on SNL. Tom Cruise was there, and Tom Cruise had just done Magnolia. And he went up to Adam Sandler and was like, hey, my friend Paul wants to know if he can call you. And Adam Sandler was like, who's this young director? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, because apparently he's like the nicest guy in Hollywood. He's like, yeah, I'll talk to this young guy. Oh, my God. Because, you know, he, Paul Thomas Anderson was really young when he did his first two movies. His first three movies, I should say. Sure. And, um, yeah, and it, 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 the story goes that he said, I want to write you a movie. Is that okay? And Sandler was like, yeah, sure. So oh, he God must sake. have seen something in those movies that like, or maybe again, maybe it's like you said, Jason, it was just the challenge. You know, yeah. Let me see if I can do something different. Well, I think with this he's, guy. yeah, I think he sees something in the. He's like, you know, it's and Tarantino's the same way. Like where he's like, this guy that you thought was done or over, or you never saw that much in or whatever, or or you think he's. It, it is. It's like this. Um, I don't know. There's a bravado in it for these young directors to take. And also it's an opportunity, right? It's like, it's like it, in a way it's like discovering someone, but you, you don't yeah. have to discover them. Like the, you've got the name recognition, you've got the buzz, you've got right. everything. It's like that work, that part of the work is done for you. This isn't like some, somebody off the street, but it's like you're, you're reinventing them for an audience. So it's like you're discovering, you're discovering something within them. And that's either just a great, and I'm sure it is a great gift it's a great talent to be able to see something in somebody and be like i can mine that and i can i can bring that out for him and a lot of directors have done it with adam sandler he's mm-hmm. great in things like this is the best i think of these movies yeah. and probably uncut gems which i haven't seen would probably be the companion piece mm-hmm. to that in terms of like how effective he can be outside of the adam sandler mode but even things like spanglish and funny people anything that kind sure. of challenges him to go to a little more of a serious or heavier play. He doesn't lose his humor in it. He's still Pixels? very funny. No. I'm just <laughs> but that's something that I always... But yeah, I yeah, he does so much of that shit. You know? But that's what I... I think that's what always bothered me about Adam Sandler is that I saw... I would... I recognize moments. I'm like, if you just turn it down, you'd be really good. I would... I mean, he, he was... He was always very believable to me in his quieter moments, and I never really liked when he went into the funny voices and the crazy yeah, stuff or laughing shit. at himself. Even in stuff it like just, The it, Wedding Singer. He's got beautiful moments in that. Yeah, that that's yeah, actually yeah. a pretty successful movie for him. That that character has more of a, a lid yes. on it. That he's yeah. more real uh, than than a lot of his You know what stuff. else he's good in is the thing with uh, where she can't remember. Uh, 51st oh, 51st Dates. Yes, 51st yeah. Dates. Yeah, I never that, saw that's that. That's a nice, you'd like that. That's a oh, nice performance by yeah, him. And it's him and Drew Barrymore again, just like in Wedding yeah. Singer. And it's, oh, it's a like lovely that. performance by both of them, actually. It's a, it's a really lovely romantic comedy and, a, and an interesting that. conceit to that movie. You know, the, those little moments you were talking about, Jason, um, another one that struck me is 
when he the the scene when they're on the date, I think might be the best scene in the movie. Oh, it's, it's so good. incredible. And he the, goes the DJ and, Justice story that he tells. Oh, yes, so that's good. great. And then it's lovely. He so goes good. and tears up the bathroom, and that and just the little scene with the with the restaurant oh, manager. Oh my god, that's a fucking tremendous scene. But yeah. prior to that, when she says, "Yeah, your sister told me about one of your sisters oh, yeah. told me about this hammer." Yeah. moment, you know, where you smash something with a hammer. Sandler is sitting there and his hand shoots up. Yep. His hand yeah. goes like this, like he's about to hit or smash or or crush or be violent. And, he, and then he puts it down and it's teensy. It's yeah. teensy tiny, but he just goes like that. And you go, oh, fuck. He's it. I mean, he's a live wire throughout this, yeah. throughout this whole thing, but it's all, you know, you've got to be, will- there must have been something that he saw, in, that Anderson saw in Sandler at some point that was oh, like, yeah. Okay, underneath all of the opera man and all of the little Nicky and all of the crazy, there is a guy who is um, explosive and has sort of a a baseline, a baseline layer, a baseline, you know, uh, uh, a foundation of uh, repressed feeling, you know, and that's what this movie really is. And when you repress, when you suppress this long for this hard, you know, this hard for this long and just push it down, push it down, push it down. It's going to come out in these crazy, in these crazy um, moments of explosion. One of the things that is, you know, when they kept saying the seven sisters, seven sisters is like, uh, you know, there's the, um, there's a cluster of stars that are called the seven sisters. And and they keep going to these shots of stars, yes. you know what I mean, and yeah. just color and stars yeah. and stuff. And um, they're called the Pleiades or Pleiades, Pleiades, Pleiades or something. I know, mm-hmm. just like seven yeah. sisters, these stars. And and you know that that I wonder if there's something to that about like the burning and the explosiveness because they sort of are the fuel for mm. his, you know, sort of his explosions and everything. I wonder if there's something to yeah, the fact that, that there's totally seven sisters sense. and that's sort of a great, and of course they're named for all these Greek mythological, which I know nothing about Greek mythology, but all of this, there's all this mythology behind how they're named and who they are and everything. And, um, but mm. you know, th- this idea of explosion of, of a contained explosion, an imp- I guess it's a series of implosions, really. You know that then explode because he's constantly having these little implosions. You know that's tough yeah. to play. So there must have been something Anderson saw well, in him well, that does I, that. He's known for that, though, yeah, right? I mean, all his characters are like, and then he would like, you don't know anything about Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Most of his characters have like these rage moments, which are like, you know, these explosively right. And I think he was like, oh, I can do something with that. I can harness that he's like because yeah. if you take that character and you take him out of this goofy comedy and stick that same character into a, a realer that's world not that that's yeah. what this is yeah. but you can see you can see take like where you artifice. could go with that yeah yeah you could that's see like it's funny this. you mentioned 50 first dates and i always remember reading an interview with drew barrymore and she says she's like he's got an he's an amazing singer he's got this incredible voice and mm. she said she goes she's she said i i wish he wouldn't always go into the funny voices because yeah. people don't think he can mm. sing but he's got an incredible voice and it's almost like a defense mechanism i think he does you know? it with his acting too because he's capable yeah. of more than uh you and know, i think that's what show. it is it's, it's all of the things that right. that are inside of him and but yeah, exactly what you guys are saying. That Paul Thomas Anderson said, "All right, let's just strip away that artifice. Let's 
Let's pull that and just do what you do. It's in there. there. It is. I do love this movie. I love it as much as I loved it the first the first time I saw yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I'm going to full ten Sheila. Oh, me too. Dang, really? I'm going. Ten, I'm going yeah. ten Sheilas. Holy bejazz! There's nothing about this gentlemen. that. that I would probably give Magnolia a little less. And I love Magnolia, but I would probably go. Uh, Boogie Nights would be a full ten. This yep. is a full ten for me. And so would would there, f- there will be blood would yeah. also be a full ten for me. Yeah, I'd go a full ten on those two movies. So yeah. I, I'll go a nine point five on this <laughs> one, only, okay. only because there are those moments of just overtness in the dialogue that I don't think we need it. They're very few and far between. There's only two or three of them where I'm like. Ah, you don't need that line. We get that. We get. We're already getting. Just, it. We're already it. there. I, I, I think it. because the whole movie, the, the, it's it's stylized. It's a little bit of a a cracked fairy tale or fantasy in a yes. way. A musical, Absolutely. like all these things we're talking about in terms of the style. It it works in a way that it might not in in Boogie Nights or something that feels like so so so. Uh, less poetic and more um, naturalistic. Right. No, this more. is a very poetic movie. It is, yeah. But so, I, but do I, but I it. hear you. Yeah. Wow. Yay. Oh, so good. So good. Um, movies. Anything? Any? Any other thoughts? Any other uh, feelings? Louis Guzman's and, always fantastic. You yes. Can't go yes. Wrong with Louis Guzman. Wonderful. No, he's really wonderful. He's so good. I, I wanted to say. I was like, oh, I should say something about Louis Guzman. Yeah. yeah. No, he's great. He's, so great. he's great. He's great. And I love everything. the scene where he just. He's like, why are you wearing a suit? And then he's like, yes. oh, I want. And then the next day, he's, he's wearing a suit. a suit. He's like, I guess we're wearing suits now. That's so good. <laughs> oh, oh my god, that's right. That's he's just right. such a great. Oh, he's just a. He's a great actor, and he's, he's very grounded. There's something so very grounded. anchoring about him. Yes. You know? he's like a bull. He His really face, is. There's something yeah. bull-like about it. That's, that's he's in Boogie really Nights also, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he's great. I mean, come on. I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, he's he's he's, he's great. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Next week, we're going back to the 80s. We're revisiting November 9th, 1984. Uh, And the big release that week was a movie that we touched on during our Halloween episode. I think it's going to be an interesting rewatch. Uh, The original A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Directed by Wes Craven, right? Oh, Wes yeah. Craven, yeah. Um, which I haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, I know it 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 was up towards the top of Fred's top ten Halloween number, movies. That was number two. It was number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Dan, I know, has done a rewatch and had some things to say about the acting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to digging back in and seeing how good slash bad it gets. Um, also, speaking of how good slash bad something can get... Oh, God, you devil, starring George Burns as God and George Burns as the devil. Uh, the threequel to the uh, the 1970s Oh, God film, um, which starred uh, George Burns and John Denver. I never saw the original Oh, God. I don't think I've ever seen oh, an was, Oh, God I was, movie. I was a big Oh, God fan. And Oh, God book two. Oh God, book two. Oh, that was good. that was my jam. Oh God, yep. book two. Was, was John yep. Denver also in that or no? No, no. it was not. He wasn't. He went in off one. in a very different yeah. direction. I actually yeah. think I did see Oh God, You Devil though on like VHS <laughs> or something when I was in, in junior high or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it, but I, I think that's the only one I've seen. And then the third film of the week is called No Small Affair. It stars John Cryer and Demi Moore. I've also not yeah. seen that one. Please listen and subscribe. Uh, you can hear us on iTunes, Spotify, Transistor, um, uh, 
please, if you're so inclined, go to iTunes and uh, give us a little review and uh, five stars if you if you enjoy what you hear here and uh, and tell your friends. And also you can uh, email us, uh, send yes. us your yeah, any thoughts you have about any of the movies we, we talk about or anything else yeah, at uh, info at com. What do you got this week? I'm thinking we do a little She Needs Me, He Needs Me. Oh, oh I was yeah. hoping you'd say that. Yeah, we'll do a little of that. Because we could do Christmas music in honor of Santa Claus, but fuck you. No. no we'll, <laughs> I think we probably have another Christmas movie coming up soon. So, yeah. yeah, F Christmas. That's what I say. We'll try, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try here. <laughs> like that yeah that was lovely excellent i felt like i was floating in the air dancing to that it's a beautiful beautiful. song it really is oh someday we'll review popeye and i'll make you do it again just uh, (laughs) because i want to hear it again it's very good yeah it is a beautiful song it's a beautiful song well done dan well thank you gentlemen thank you always good to be with you yes well (laughs) Yes, always, always, in always. This is the best. This is the best way to wake up. Yeah, this is is a morning record for us. Yes, we've never done that before, ladies and gentlemen. We always do uh, later in the evening, usually around... Nine ten o'clock at night, and this is the yeah the first time we've done a morning. Did you feel more energized? Did you you feel better about it? (laughs) Yeah, this was like a good morning constitutional. Oh, does that mean a poop? No, I think so. Good. I mean, I always thought constitutional meant a poop. No, no? It's a, I think it's a, I think a walk going on. Oh. Constitutional is going, going on a fucking walk. I, mean, I poop when I walk. Just drips out. I wanted to look it up. Have a cup of coffee. Hey, somebody write in if you if you have a strong opinion about what it means to have a, a morning constitutional. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, take the newspaper. Going, I'm going to have my morning constitutional. Everyone. <laughs> That's how Jack says it. Square your tits. I'll be in here seven to 12 minutes having my morning constitutional. Well, if I can't think of anyone I'd rather have my morning constitutional with, with whichever scenario it is, whether it's a walk (laughs) or on some sort of group toilet than with you guys. And that's, that's where we end. Bye. Bye. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Bye.